Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples Magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples Magazine. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We also visit with Michael Cannon, the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the president and founder of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is uh, February the 17th, and on this day in 1801, Thomas Jefferson was elected the third president of the United States. The election constituted the first peaceful transfer of power from one political party to another. In 1800, when he decided to run for president, he was very impressive political credentials and was well-suited for the presidency. In addition to drafting the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson had served in two Continental Congresses as Minister of France, as Secretary of State under George Washington, and as John Adams' Vice President. Uh, vicious partisan politics and uh, welfare warfare characterized the campaign uh, 1800 between Democrat Republicans uh, Jefferson and Aaron Burr and Federalist John Adams, Charles C. Pickney, and John Jay. The election highlighted the ongoing battle between Democratic and Republican supporters of the French who were embroiled in their only bloody revolution, their own bloody revolution, and the pro-British Federalists who wanted to implement English-style policies in the American government. The Federalists abhorred the French revolutionaries' overzealous use of the guillotine as a result were less forgiving in their foreign policy towards the French. They advocated a strong centralized government, a standing military, and financial support of emerging industries. In contrast, Jefferson's Republicans preferred limited government, unadulterated states' rights, and a primarily agrarian economy. They feared the Federalists would abandon revolutionary ideals and revert to the English monarchical tradition. As a Secretary of State under Washington, Jefferson opposed Secretary of uh, Treasury Hamilton's proposal to increase military expenditures and to resign when Washington supported the leading Federalist plan for a national bank. After a bloodless but ugly campaign in which candidates and influential supporters on both sides used the press often anonymously as a forum to uh, fire slanderous volleys at each other. The then laborious and confusing process of voting began in April 1800. Individual states scheduled elections at different times, and although Jefferson and Burr ran on the same ticket as president and vice president respectively, the Constitution still demanded votes for each individual to be counted separately. As a result, by the end of uh, uh, January 1801, Jefferson and Burr emerged tied at 73 electoral votes apiece. Adams came in third at 65 votes. The unintended consequence and result uh, sent the final vote to the House of Representatives. Sticklers in the federal-controlled House of Representatives uh, insisted on following the Constitution's flawed rules and refused to elect Jefferson and Burr together on the same ticket. The highly influential Federalist Alexander Hamilton, who mistrusted Jefferson but hated Burr more, persuaded the House to vote against Burr, 
whom he called the most unfit man for the office of president, this accusation and others, led Burr to challenge Hamilton to a duel in 1804. We know the result of that. That ended up in uh, Hamilton's death. Two weeks before the scheduled inauguration, Jefferson emerged victorious, and Burr was confirmed as his vice president. Politics were dirty back then, weren't they? A contingent of sword-bearing soldiers escorted the new president to his inauguration on March the 4th. Illustrating the contentious nature of the election and the victor's fear of reprisal, in his inaugural address, Jefferson sought to heal political differences by graciously declaring, we are all Republicans, we are all Federalists. As president, Jefferson made some concessions to his opponents, including taking Hamilton's advice to strengthen the American Navy. In 1801, Jefferson sent naval squadrons and Marines to suppress the Barbary piracy against American shipping. He reduced the national debt by one-third, acquired the Louisiana Territory, and the sponsorship of Lewis and Clark Expedition to open up the West to exploration and settlement. Jefferson's first term ended in relative stability and prosperity, and in 1804, he was overwhelmingly re-elected uh, for a second term. The flawed voting system that was so problematic in the election of 1800 was later approved by the 12th Amendment of the Constitution, which rati- was ratified in 19- 1804. <clears throat> so, there have been connections or corrections to the Constitution. The 12th Amendment correcting the uh, flaws uh, that were created uh, during the third president's election, Thomas Jefferson. Well, no invasion of Ukraine by, uh, by Russia yet. Hope all in Ukraine had a great national unity holiday. I bet we'll see Biden uh, having a press conference soon where he claims his strong leadership prevented war in the Ukraine. Uh, Joe, why don't you just use those stellar leadership skills to address the domestic crisis you've created, open the Keystone Pipeline and make us energy independent again? Why don't you close down our southern border and cut off illegal immigration, human trafficking, and smuggling of fentanyl and opioids? And how about following the science and getting rid of lockdowns, masks, and vaccine mandates so people can live their lives and get back to work? And how about supporting law enforcement to make our communities safe? And how about standing down from your expensive government social and spending programs so we can get the economy back on track? Just saying, President Biden. Well, we finally found an economic category where blue states soundly outcompete red states in attracting homeless people. The surge in homelessness in these states is a result of lack of jobs and housing policies, such as rent control and land use zoning restrictions that limits the building of affordable housing. It's telling that the three states, New York, Hawaii, and California, with homeless rates, as a percentage of the state population that are almost quadruple the national average and are most democratic. Uh, of course, this is an expression of compassion, I guess. The southern states, despite having lower per capita incomes generally, tend to have the most effective policies to combat lowest homeless rates. New York uh, deserves the special mention. Mention New York City has an estimated 65,000 homeless folks. That's the size of a medium-sized city. And yet the city spends $3 billion a year to combat homelessness, if you can believe that. They're just uh, doing a great job of it, of course. The states with the lowest homeless rates, Florida, by the way, is not among them, but homeless the population per 10,000 residents is Mississippi with four, North Dakota with seven, Louisiana and Alabama both with seven, Virginia with seven. Uh, West states with the highest homeless populations, Washington with 30. Get that, 30. 
Oregon with 35 per 10,000, California with 41, Hawaii with 46, and New York with 47. That's nine times the rate of homelessness in these states versus uh, the other states with the lowest homeless, homeless rate. Congratulations, blue states. You're winning on homelessness. Well, how have COVID restrictions worked? Let's take a look at Sweden. They've scrapped almost all of its COVID-19 restrictions this month. Uh, back in 2020, when uh, Sweden's state uh, epidemiologist eschewed lockdowns, he was pilloried by the international media for not following, quote-unquote, the science. By this, the critics meant the mad modelers like Britain's Imperial College team, which predicted with their doomsday study multiple times the number of deaths that actually occurred. In a report only leaked later, they admitted that we do not consider the wider and social economic costs of suppression, which will be high, but they never bothered to calculate how high. Sweden made some mistakes for sure. The Swedes failed to protect elderly nursing home residents, which was why deaths in Sweden were higher than in neighboring Norway and Denmark. But they argued on a whole society basis the collateral damage of lockdowns would outweigh what good they would do, and he was proven right. Two years later, Sweden's COVID-19 death rate is 1,614 per million people, much lower than Britain's and the United States. Sweden's approach saved its economy. This year, it's projected to be 5% larger than before the pandemic versus 2% gain for Germany and 1% for Britain. The level of extra debt Sweden has taken on is a fraction of that in the lockdown countries. Sweden's schools stayed open for no face masks. Test scores are up, and there's no talking in Sweden about lost years of education. Politicians in America and around the world should be held accountable for their deadly decisions to lock down their economies rather than adopt the Swede model of freedom. Hopefully we've learned from that. We certainly hope we've learned from that. Well, some people just can't be bought off, and the former president of Levi's, I guess it's the Levi's brand, is apparently one of those people Jennifer Say was ousted from her position by the San Francisco-based gene maker over consistent pushback against school closures throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. After years of attempting to manage her dissent, which saw the company's bribe Say with a promotion to CEO in exchange for a silence, she decided to publicly walk away from her position earlier this week. In a last-ditch effort, Levi offered to pay Say a million-dollar severance package, all she needed to do was to receive it was to shut up and comply, but thankfully that wasn't enough to buy her off. On Thursday, she joined Tucker Carlson last night. She was great, really interesting, to d discuss the tempting but not-so-difficult decision to decline the massive payout from the Levi's, saying that taking the money would have been an unacceptable and gross violation of everything she stands for. During the segment, uh, Tucker introduced Say as, of course, brave, but also pointed out that anyone who turns down a million bucks to be quiet is deeply principled. He's right about that. When asked why she made the decision to leave her prominent position, she explained, plain and simple, the corporate overlords are primarily focused on silencing dissent, so she quit in order to be free, quote-unquote. You must really mean what you say, he said. Well, I really do mean it, Say responded, as she explained, uh, what letter to stand up against the silencing of opposing viewpoints. It goes every, against everything in my entire being, and it's not to say that the severance package wasn't tempting. It was. I'm human, 
and that's a lot of security for my family, but I had persisted for two years, continued to speak out on the subject because I care about kids. To agree to stay silent at the last minute because of money just felt so unacceptable, just so gross to me, and in violation of everything I stand for. Although the issue goes away uh, further than Levi's, Say is then asked uh, directly about why the company has such a strong interest in silencing dissent. She called that activity particularly egregious, especially considering the brand's marketing strategy that centers around rugged individualism. Say is living her life with a purpose and with principle. Truly to be admired. This woman is truly to be admired. I really appreciate what she's done. Well, here's a uh, shocking but pleasant surprise. San Francisco voters uh, overwhelmingly approved a vote to recall three far-left school board members for putting toxic politics ahead of reopening schools. The voters of the city have delivered a clear message, said the uh, mayor of San Francisco. Let's just hope that this is a canary in the coal mine. I mean, they went about 44 schools. They renamed schools while the schools were closed. Uh, but, uh, again, San Francisco male uh, London Breed is going to be naming three replacements. Hopefully she got the message, too, and it won't be more Marxist in the position. Hopefully, as I said, I hope this is a canary in the coal mine uh, for uh, states around the nation and uh, school boards. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, uh, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida uh, Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you'll check it out and download the app. You can visit the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for inviting me. Always a pleasure, Pastor Rick. Tell us about uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance are parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles all across Florida that work together because we care about children and we want them to have the best education possible. We find or sometimes things are brought to us that need improvement, and so we develop solutions and then advocate for those solutions and offer those ideas to those same parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles for how they can help their child really have the best education that's properly suited for them. And we work in the legislature to solve problems that just have to be solved at that level. So we are just the voice of children and improving education across Florida. And doing a great job, I must say, uh, having tremendous influence in Tallahassee with the Commission of Education, with the governor, as well as the state legislature. Just I really appreciate the, the work that you've done in so many ways. Uh, getting rid of Common Core, just to name, there's just a couple of things you've done that's just been really impactful. So uh, tell us about what's on the uh, legislative agenda this year. Well, there's a lot of things going on in education this year. Uh, some of them were our, our initiatives. Some of them were other people's initiative. Many of them, in fact, most of them are just really good steps in the right direction. Today, there's a bill being heard by committee in Tallahassee that relates to parents' rights. Now, people may remember that last year, after a number of years of, of working on it, the legislature passed and the governor signed into law the Parents' Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a huge step in the right direction. And now we're seeing the legislature adopt additional legislation to support that basic concept. And that basic concept, of course, is what we all thought should have been true all along, that parents get to make the decisions for their children. They not only have the privilege of making those decisions, they have the responsibility, and we want to help them make good decisions. Well, the legislature is now putting into law some corrections that have not been practiced in Florida schools, like notifying parents of things that the kids bring to them. We've seen in school districts when a child goes to school and says, I want to be treated like a boy even though I'm a girl, the school districts don't notify the parents that this child has a serious issue that needs to be addressed. They often hide it from the parents. Hmm. Well, this legislation is designed to make sure that stops immediately in Florida. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate 
that uh, you're actually seeing in states around the country where they're saying, well, the parents have no business in, in sticking their nose in curriculum. Well, by, you know, pardon me, the kids, the kids are belong to the parents, not to the state. And I think this is just such important legislation. Congratulations well, to you. It really is. And, and just so people will know, and I just don't like using this phrase at all because I think it is entirely misleading. I've seen so many press reports, including locally, that describe this bill as the don't say gay bill. Well, that doesn't mention that at all in the bill. Mm -hmm. What it talks about is helping parents be involved with their children. And when we see people demagogue stuff like that, it just really gives everyone insight into what's going on. When they want to lie about something this important, we know where they're coming from, and we want to support the parents, and we want to solve this problem because our kids need their parents' support. They need their parents' involvement. They don't need to to operate against their parents in collusion with school districts. That's terrific. Now, I just I remember that there uh, there's pornography in certain of our materials in in our public schools, and I know that you've been working hard to eliminate that problem. Of course, there's a, a difficult line between uh, free speech and uh, some of this stuff, but just wonder how the effort is going. Well, it's a it's a battle we never imagined would go on this long. We've been working on it for about six years now, and the school districts use some loopholes in the law to get around this and. Everybody that sees the stuff is outraged by it, and yet nobody seems to want to take definitive action to solve it. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. There are some people in Polk County that have gotten the school district there to pay attention, and so that's a good step. But really what we're trying to do is protect children. People will talk about this being a book ban. It couldn't be further from the truth. We're not against the books. We're against having them available to our children in our public school libraries. School is supposed to be a place that helps children thrive, and we protect our children from alcohol, tobacco, drugs, firearms in school all the time. Every day we have law enforcement in our schools to protect our children from those kinds of things. Why are we so reluctant to protect our children from harmful materials that are in the library? School libraries are a special place that parents need to have confidence the school is guarding the hearts of their children from these harmful materials and we have been working like mad trying to get attention to it a lot of people want to see it done but the leaders in the legislature just don't seem to want to make it make a statement about that hmm. well good luck on the uh, continued effort it's so important and of course kids are going to find things on the internet i mean there's you can't necessarily stop it but at least you can say that in schools it's going to be a safe place for kids to learn exactly and and taxpayers don't want their tax money going to support this kind of stuff right when people see this they're outraged how can my tax money be used to buy things like killing mr griffin i mean it's just why would we have that at our school library where it's a story about kids wanting to kill their teacher that's just crazy yeah, it certainly is so uh hey before i let you go i, I do want to uh, highlight an event coming up in march yes it's our big event of the year we have been doing an annual really big event for several years now and this one is, is bigger than anything we've tried. And you know how it is when you get into these things, you sometimes wonder, what have we done? Yep. Well, what we've done is we've, we've had the biggest event we've ever tried. We were having Charlie Kirk and Dennis Prager both on the same night to talk to us about education and what's going on across the country. It's March 9th. It'll be held at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Resort. People can go to our website and buy a ticket. It's goflca.org. And they'll see an events tab, and it's right there. They can buy a ticket. And by the way, just not 
not trying to twist anybody's arm, of course, but the ticket price does increase in just a few days. So we want to encourage people to buy their tickets now. Uh, in addition to Charlie Kirk and Dennis Prager, if that's not enough, we've also invited the Babylon Bee to give a presentation, Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee, and they are hilarious if people haven't seen that. Right. And it gets better. We just found out recently that General Mike Flynn is going to come and be a part of that event. Oh, my goodness. So. How cool is that? <laughs> Ed, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the governor showed up, too, quite frankly. So, well, uh, I can't talk about that, but, yeah, <laughs> it, it would be terrific. <laughs> We're working on that. Bob. Well, go, go FLCA is the uh, website, very robust website, very informative. I encourage you to visit goflca.com and uh, get tickets for the big event coming up on March the 9th. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Bob. Always enjoy it. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. Michael is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You get tickets now for some great plays. You can also find out about the Performing Arts Center that's being built in downtown Naples. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. 
The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977, and we advocate individual liberty in all areas of human endeavor. We want you to be able to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. We think that government exists to protect your right to live your life that way. And uh, these don't sound like very controversial ideas, but they uh, are very controversial in Washington, D.C., which seems to attract lots of people who want to tell you how to run your life, who want to take your money and spend it for you, and so forth. So uh, yeah, ab absolutely. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. It reminds me of Mark Twain's famous quote, uh, defined paper patriotism as supporting your country at all times and your government when it deserves it. You know, we created the government for to protect us. It's the, the government doesn't run our lives. We run the government. So uh, sometimes we forget that, and we're seeing evidence all over the country and all over the world right now that the governments think that they're supposed to be running our lives, and they're not. So, Well, power is quite a drug. It is a def aphrodisiac for sure in so many ways. So, uh, Michael, I thought it, just in that uh, regard, maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, right now the, the president is saying, well, it's not time yet. I mean, the CDC is saying we shouldn't get rid of the mask mandates anymore. We, we certainly want everybody to get vaccinated. Uh, these uh, mandates linger, which are kind of hampering our freedom. What do you think? So we're at a point in this pandemic where, a lot of Americans are really suffering from pandemic fatigue. They uh, have been dealing, they dealt with lockdowns for a year, school closures, uh, mask mandates, now vaccine mandates, uh, conflicting public health recommendations and uh, evaluations of the science of masks in particular that uh, didn't, that were, we're shifting, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And now with uh, cases falling after the Omicron surge to the point where they're just about as low as they were before that surge. Now, that's still, it's still as high as the high back in January of 2021. Mm -hmm. But it's also a year later. And people are a year tired -er of, of all of these measures. Uh, they uh, people are growing weary of things, especially the, the mask mandates and the school closings. You can see evidence of this in uh, electoral results like where I live, Virginia, uh, the state elected a Republican governor, uh, largely because of education, because people were tired of, uh, of the powers that be closing their schools. Right. You saw that in a school board election in San Francisco, where they just ousted uh, by a landslide, right? Three members of the school board uh, over dissatisfaction with how the schools are managing the pandemic. You have to when you're doing these sorts of public health campaigns. If you're if you're one of these people in Washington D.C. with all this power, you have to be. You're there to save lives, but you can't do that if you lose the confidence of the of the public and they just totally tune you out. Well, basically, I mean, that's part of the message is uh, we don't want you to die from Omicron and we don't want you to die from the virus. But it's OK with us if you die, for example, from mental health issues or for alcoholism. Or <laughs> There's unintended consequences of these things. That's right. And, and the, the, the mental health issues are a huge contributor to 
COVID fatigue or, or public health fatigue. Right. And, and when you lose the public, then you, you lose, when you lose their trust, you lose them, your ability to influence them. And so it's very important for these officials to dial back the recommendation and, and, and uh, allow people to resume normal, you know, to return to something resembling normality uh, as much as they can, as soon as they can, if only to maintain the trust of more of the public so that if you do need to mobilize them later on, if there's a more powerful variant that comes later, they will still trust yeah. you. They'll still think you have their best interests at heart. Uh, but the problem is, you know, we said power is quite a drug. Uh, and and these, these folks in these public health agencies like Anthony Fauci and people at the FDA, the CDC, they do want, they're good people who want to save lives and they have power and they want to use that power to save lives. It's very hard to put down that power. No, absolutely. Um, and, and that's, and, and so it's very hard for them to, uh, uh, even to recognize the, the 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 negative impact they're having on trust in in public health officials, you know, when they Michael um, uh, yesterday uh, I uh, I have a uh, had a dental appointment scheduled. I called, I sent a text back saying, you know, well, look, if you're requiring a mask to come into the office, uh, we need to delay my appointment because I'm not going to wear a mask. So they called and said, well, look, you can sit in the car until the appointment, and then. <laughs> And I said, no, look, I'm going to find another dentist or I'm going to I'll just delay the, the appointment. And, and primarily because, I mean, the, the whole the whole thing, mass thing has been totally debunked by science for crying out loud. And it just underscores, again, the importance of allowing people to manage their own lives. And uh, that's just my personal expression of how how I choose to manage my life with regard to the COVID thing. What are your thoughts? So there's. Uh, sound theoretical, there are sound theoretical reasons and some empirical data to show that masks reduce transmissions of pathogens. Like a KN95 mask, when you wear it properly, will do that. That seems sound to me. It's a different question from whether mandating masks or asking the, you know, encouraging the public at large to wear masks is going to reduce transmission because people don't always wear the right mask. They don't always wear them properly. They take them off when yep. maybe they shouldn't. And so even though masks might work, mask mandates might not. And, uh, and, and you, you know, you're in Naples, Florida. Yeah. I've, I, you go to Florida, you go to, you know, I was just in Idaho last week. You go to certain parts of the country uh, and you'll find hardly anyone is wearing masks. Right, and they just think they, they 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 take your side of this debate. They think that it's uh, it's either ineffective or not worth it. But I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, and you walk into a place and everyone is masked. And if you try to take it off, uh, there are informal social sanctions that people will impose on you for doing that. Sometimes they'll uh, they may even refuse you service. Others might come up to you. You see the videos on uh, yeah. online of, of people confronting others, and 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 there really is this serious divide because people are still afraid of 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 the virus. Unfortunately, uh, a lack of uh, tolerance and yeah. um, and 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 uh, charity uh, is, on both sides is leading to a breakdown in trust of. Yeah. Uh, not just 
public health officials, but also people who disagree with. No, I, to- um, I totally acknowledge the point you're making, and it uh, part of it is just creating these social mores that begin to occur. And you know, human behavior is contagious, and that so people start to conform basically. Uh, to things that sometimes just don't make sense, at least not to me. So uh, I'm choosing to be a leader in my community, Michael, uh, for an idea that perhaps isn't so popular. But anyhow, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. It's Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute. The website is Cato, C-A-T-O dot org. I hope you'll check it out. Michael, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. Anytime, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president Uh, of less government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, in some places it is, but it it is an aspiration. It's certainly not a fact. 
So yeah. uh, you wrote a great column. I, mean, I found this so interesting and so true. Big government sellout, crony legislative theater. Let's pretend we're outraged. That's yes. great. Let tell us about it. Well, we keep seeing. You know, we when when we we the people get sick enough of something really wrong or that needs to be fixed, that's a DC responsibility, and sometimes even when it's not. Um, when it reaches that level of boiling uh, point, uh, DC gets involved and. But they get involved in, in ways that don't ultimately matter because if, if it's if we're upset about something for which Congress has been bought and therefore isn't going to really do anything, they they pound the table and they issue press releases and they do really boring television and radio appearances and sometimes they even file legislation. And it, it, it's like these are various building stages. As people continue to be upset about something, they have to add another thing, they add another thing. And the last stage is the filing legislation, which you'll notice never, ever gets passed. Right. Because it would hurt the people who bought Congress. Um, I, in, in researching this piece, I didn't realize this. The only law that Congress has passed regarding the Internet is Section 230, which is the biggest crony gift of big tech in the history of the planet. Well, that goes back to the 90s. Well, that's 90, yeah, and even that, even that is just such a scam. The Congress passed the Communications Decency Act in 1996, and it was, uh, it was a clearly unconstitutional attempt to rein in uh, pornography on the Internet. And because it was going to be such an imposition on the the, the tech companies, the hosting companies, uh, the big tech companies, well, they weren't big yet, but what became big tech, they inserted Section 230 as kind of like an offset, mm -hmm. right? We'll give you this because we're doing this to you. When everyone knew the Communications Decency Act was doomed, the very next year, 1997, the Supreme Court dumped everything in the CDA except for Section 230 because they weren't being sued over Section 230 because Section 230 didn't have anything to do with the unconstitutional speech impositions of the Communications Decency Act. So now a year later, you've got this massive cronyism offset to a law that doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. And so this, you know, and by the way, I, say, I, want, I, I have to make this point over and over again. They say, this created the Internet as we know it. The hell it did. Pardon mm -hmm. my French. Mm -hmm. They don't need this liability protection, and I'll tell you why. The point of Section 230 is that they can't get sued for libel or slander or intellectual property theft based on third-party action, meaning if I post an entire movie on YouTube, YouTube can't get sued for intellectual property theft because they didn't do it, I did. Now, don't need this protection because of the way the world works. I post an entire movie. The Motion Picture Association goes to YouTube and says, hey, this guy posted an entire movie. What does YouTube do? They pull it down. Mm -hmm. Now, at that point, why would the Motion Picture Association sue them? Yeah. And, of course, they wouldn't because they took it down. And even if they did sue them, 
A judge would listen to the case for five seconds and go, wait a minute, YouTube took it down? Case dismissed. Get this stupid lawsuit out of my courtroom. Hmm. So they don't need the protection. They never needed the protection. Hmm. But now they have it, and they're completely immune from anything. And that's how a glorified social uh, media comment section like Facebook is worth $900 billion. Yeah. And, and with all that in mind, the, that's the only law D.C. has passed regarding the Internet. Wow. We've been screaming about big tech selling our data for more than a decade. And they file privacy legislation, but does it ever pass? Yeah, you know, it's, no. it's and, and what's the reason? It's money. It's money going into the coffers of Congress from and it's, and it's beyond just it's beyond just campaign contributions. For example, anyone paying any attention at all knew when the pandemic lockdowns by gov- forced by government started happening. Big tech would do amazing business. Yeah. Because we're stuck at home. All we can do is go online. So there's an article from April of 2020 that looks back. In April of 2020, many, many, many members of Congress bought tons of big tech stocks. Because they're about to impose massive lockdowns. This is government action imposed by elected officials. They knew would have a certain outcome. This is insider trading. This is insider information. So they bought the stock of the companies they knew they were benefiting with their government action. Huh. And again, you know, again, this is so it's not just campaign contributions, and it's not just this crazy cronyism where Barack Obama imposes net neutrality, which protects, prevents. Uh, Internet companies like Netflix for being charged for their bandwidth, even though Netflix is responsible for about 40% of all traffic on the web. Yep. So he imposes net neutrality. He leaves the White House. He's never produced anything cinematic in his entire life, and Netflix pay, gives him a $50 million contract <laughs> to produce movies. Case closed. <laughs> it's, that, that's I mean, exa- what, what that's we, an what, object what, lesson of how it works, isn't it, Seton? I mean, it's... it's, it's Third world banana republic. Yeah, just so so unfortunate. But I really appreciate your bringing these issues to our attention. And I think this is not just in this. This is such an important issue, but it's just so many different issues. Bringing oil companies in front of Congress, and they just kind of wink, wink, and they start uh, pillaring uh, the uh, the uh, energy companies, and then they, uh, you know, nothing happens as a result. It's just well, 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 the oil companies are. I wouldn't. I don't know what they've done wrong. Yeah, exactly. You know, except, um, meanwhile, they they bring these poor guys in front of Congress, not, you know, beat them up, beat them about the head and shoulders with bats, right? And then write another five hundred billion dollar dollars in subsidies to to uh, Solyndra and these green energy companies that are total scams. Absolutely. Again, Less Government, you can visit lessgovernment.org. Take a look at Seton's columns. They're really outstanding. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. (laughs) 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, it's always my pleasure on a Beautiful Thursday morning. Isn't it fantastic? It's nice to see that cold. I know you enjoy the cooler weather, but it's nice for me, anyhow, to see the cooler weather pass. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I like it for a couple of days, but um, uh, then I kind of draw the line, you know what I mean? (laughs) I do know exactly what you mean. (laughs) So I think here we are, I guess about, what, 10 days after the, eight, nine days after the election. I thought it might be interesting to kind of uh, just get your thoughts and commentary on uh, the city of Naples, the new uh, city council members, and uh, how things go forward. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts were ugh, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a summary. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, well, we knew the we thought the incumbents would get back in, um, and and um, uh, you know they only well with Gary Gary gone, of course. Um, the only uh, replacement was. Uh, uh, was Portnoff, uh, and um, so she she took over, and so you still have the the same crew, uh, and adding one to replace Gary. And um, I watched the little bit of the meeting yesterday. Chris had it on all day, um, hmm. but uh, it's um, I, Bob. I I just uh, I think it's going to crumble. Hmm. I I do. I don't know how they can um, 
go on the way they do with her at the helm. But um, they're uh, they're just, um, you know, I guess they went till what about five o'clock yesterday, Chris? Six thirty. They went till six thirty yesterday. Yeah. This is the first meeting newly sworn in, and you know what we always did was we we swore in the new people because they haven't had a, any kind of chance to to prepare for what was you know was coming, and um, uh, just had a just a little jovial couple of items on the agenda just to deal with uh, that needed to be done, and then we reconvened you know at the next meeting and got down to business because they would have had a chance to to meet with the. Uh, uh, city manager and to go through some training and whatever. Well, there, there's not much training that's going to go on other than from the one new candidate. And who knows what she's going to do. Um, you know, she she made some statements during the her um, pre-election, you know, of, of, of that she was going to be an independent and she was going to uh, uh, see if she could get the old guard with the new guard and uh, so on and so forth. Excuse Bless you. So she was going to bring us together. She's going to. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she was going to bring us together and whatever. But tell, tell us, a, tell Bill, say, just a, uh, say more about Crumble. What, what your thoughts of it? You think things are going to well, crumble? I, 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 I think Bob that nothing is going to change. Um, you got Mike McCabe as the vice mayor now. That was all prearranged, I'm sure. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, mm -hmm. There wasn't anybody given any consideration, whether it was Paul Perry or Ray Christman, who I thought certainly uh, deserved a shot at it. But uh, they kind of axed Ray Christman from everything. They took him off the, uh, you know, he was the um, he was the chair um, of the CRA. They They took that away from him. Um, like punishing a bad boy, you know what I mean, for not going along with the old Naples people and their and their thoughts, their election thoughts. Mm. And uh, Ray pretty much stood out on his own, which he he always has. He's a very smart smart individual, and uh, so it looks like they kind of punished him like he was a bad boy. Yeah. He took all took all his toys away from him. So you got to go along to get along, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Naples City government, that's pretty unbelievable. Hey, you know, just changing topics slightly, I want to get your feedback on what's happening. I mean, we're seeing what's happening in Canada right now with the truckers' freedom protest and how that's all kind of winding down at this point. And that now apparently we're going to start some sort of a truckers' convoy uh, coming from, I guess, uh, California into Washington, D.C., and this all has to do with uh, freedom and the ability to make our own decisions and the lack of government uh, intrusion into our lives. What are your thoughts about all this? Well, it's it's um, it's certainly amazing to 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 watch and see and to think about what's going on and and you know in our world, much less our our country. I mean, um, the Canadian ones I saw yesterday, Bob, that they were when they were when they had the convoy and they were blocking up roads and everything, they wanted to just hug police officers. They weren't looking to be violent or right. rude or anything or anything like that. And uh, um, I don't know what was, what's with the U S truckers, but I don't think that that's going to be received very well at all. And I think they're going to do something to say, Hey guys, you don't, you don't need to do this. Um, but they're, I guess they're, I guess they're going to do it. So, I mean, and I don't know what, what exactly that's going to prove, if anything, other than the fact that we need our, our goods. 
Yeah. You know, we have enough trouble with shipping and everything else. So I think maybe be nice if some cooler heads prevail. I, I understand the freedom part. Um, and it should be, you should be able to get your message across. But um, the Canadian one was, you know, I think they had grounds to do it because they were brutal up there. Oh, man. And uh, this Trudeau guy, I mean, this guy is a wimp. He, he is so well, weak as a leader. It's just unbelievable how this guy, you know, put him in the spotlight and give him an opportunity to make some decisions. And he, every decision he made was absolutely against the people. I mean, right. a, a, good, a good leader, what does he do? He gets to where the leaders of the organization saying, let's have a conversation to see if we can't th work things out. That never happened. He just called them names. Yeah. And, and you know, his, his, his relatives, his family from his predecessors have always been good. I mean, the original was, was, was phenomenal. The people cared about him. You know, I don't, I don't know what, I have no idea what's going on up there. And plus the fact they waited way, way, way too long with the, with the with the COVID stuff and everything else, and yeah. the Canadians themselves are like just totally bent out of shape. We have friends I told you before that come down here for six months uh, or five months and twenty nine days or whatever right, the rule right. is. But um, and uh, they were saying when they got back up there, the 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 stuff they had to go through just to get back in the country and stay in a hotel for 10 days and i oh. mean they, they said it was brutal wow my so, goodness that's that's so unpleasant and, bill and and it's somewhat trying you know there are neighbors on the border we've always had such great relationships i mean chris and i would drive over from buffalo to have to have dinner there one you know at night and come back over never an issue yeah uh now you wonder what what in the world is going on well he's and a bob switching the subject once again to um to our traffic here and people and boy naples as you see they're in the top 10 in real estate in the country yeah it's amazing it's well it's great to say you know i think it's a function Very. Of people people like their freedom and uh, not only is uh, florida a wonderful place to live with lots of freedom and happiness and so forth it's also so uh it's also it's a great place to live and it's a great place to be free and people recognize that and i think they're leaving in droves from uh, places like New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, New York. New York. Yeah. Good. Yeah, they, they, they are. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I just, nobody, there isn't anybody that I speak with that doesn't say, you know, how, when is this going to cease? Well, it is not going to cease because as fast as there's property on the market, it's sold. That's exactly so, right. Um, prices, prices are, are, uh, over the over the top but yet um you know you can make a lot of money on your on your on your residence or your or, you know your home but you got to buy another one <laughs> where are you going right right there's no bargains out there no bargains indeed i mean the sales are down but the reason why, why sales are down is because there's no inventory everybody's uh there's there's no property on the markets right now so people are right right it's just it, exactly so you know well, you know, look, we're into uh, we're we're halfway through February, a little more than that, and next thing you know, we'd be March, and uh, all of a sudden, it'll be springtime again. And we'll see those car carriers ready to take those cars back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think your wife is. Uh, uh, looks out the window and waits for them. Absolutely. <laughs> Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. Always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so Always much for joining. Always being on the show, Bob. You have a wonderful, wonderful week. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun. Learned a lot. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to have 
William Yateman, he's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Uh, uh, Cole Lyle is, will be with us as well. He's with uh, Mission Roll Call. We'll visit with Phil Kirpin, the, uh, the uh, president of American Commitment. We'll also uh, visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many, many books. Always appreciate your comment on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.